0: So let's stand. Turn your Bible, don't put it away, to Psalm 16. If you prefer to follow along in the bulletin, you can. But listen to David's prayer. Let David, through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, speak. He's desperate and he ends in confidence and courage. David's prayer. Preserve me, O God. Is my chosen portion and my cup? You hold my lot. The lions have fallen from me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because He is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or Hades in the Greek, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, I pray very specifically this morning that the words that David has communicated, that he has prayed and that he has sung, would become our words. No matter where we stand with you this day, we would profess the truth and come to saving faith or to grow in our saving faith, that you would become our most secure refuge, our supreme treasure, our sovereign Lord, our most trusted counselor. It's all here, Lord. And because of your resurrection, we can have that hope. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I came across a sermon by John Piper. I didn't know it at the time, but it was actually preached here in Dallas in August of 2015, where he spent an hour unpacking Psalm 16. It's very powerful. The sentence that he uses to summarize the main point of Psalm 16 is is truly profound. And I'm going to use that sentence. I'm going to read it slowly, and I'm going to repeat it because it's worth repeating. And it will frame the ways in which we walk through this incredible prayer, this incredible song. Here's how he summarizes the main point of Psalm 16. And it's so hopeful. God will bring you body and soul through life and death to full and everlasting pleasure if he is your safest refuge, your supreme treasure, your sovereign Lord, and your most trusted counselor. Now, I want you to hear it again. Some of you need to write it down. Some of you can remember it. But listen to what he's saying. God will bring you body and soul through life and through death, body and soul, to full and everlasting pleasure if he is your safest refuge, your supreme treasure, your sovereign Lord, and your most trusted counselor. It's what you'll see here in this text. So let's begin by talking about your safest refuge. David is crying out. We don't know why exactly. And there's no preface to the psalm that tells us exactly what David is experiencing. But we know because of the first word of his song, of his prayer, he says, preserve me. Protect me, make me last. Whatever he is facing, whatever's coming at him, he's saying, God, preserve me. For in you, I take refuge. You are my Lord. David's safest refuge, his ultimate security is not in a man. And it's not in a prince. He knows, as I said last week, that a man cannot deliver him. Not even a powerful man. And he's a powerful man. Not even a connected man. He's the most connected man. David, whatever he's facing, comes to the Lord and he says in the beginning, please preserve me for in you I take refuge. The word refuge means Covering. It means security. It means safety. Where do you run for cover? Can you, this morning, like David, say, God is my safest refuge? God is my ultimate security. We face all sorts of things, not unlike David, that cause us to need a refuge, to need covering but one of the greatest temptations that we face is to put, our temptation, or to put our security in insecure things, things that won't last, things that aren't ultimate, things that are not all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, everywhere present. Where do you run for cover? When you're facing frightening circumstances... Or your children are facing frightening circumstances? Or you rise again in the morning and you feel a profound sense of loneliness? Or you consider going back to work tomorrow and you know the tensions that exist, the stress that you're under, where do you run? Who is your most secure refuge? Is it God? Can you say with David, preserve me, for in you, I take refuge. Every word matters. In you. David is speaking about the union he has with God. That God dwells in him and he dwells in God. And David knows because of what he's faced before that there is no greater security, no safer security, no ultimate security like God. And so he begins this psalm as he's obviously troubled by saying, You, God, you are my refuge. In you I take refuge. Preserve me. I'm tempted though I want God to be my safest refuge, I'm tempted like you to make another person my refuge. I'm tempted to make power my refuge that's not from God. I'm tempted in moments of of deep fear to run other places instead of to the one and only one who is ultimately secure. Let me say that again, there's only one who is ultimately secure. Everything else that you seek to put your refuge or covering in will not last. Even if it's a good thing, it will not last. David says, in the midst of his trouble, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. He then goes on to speak about God being his supreme treasure. Look with me again at verse two. I say to the Lord, this is interesting, it's Yahweh, so it's, it's God, the transcendent God. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Notice it's not all caps. God's using two different names for God. You, God, are my God. You, God, are my Savior, my refuge. It's corporate, but also very personal. And then he says in verse two, I have no good Apart from you. Can you say that today? Can you see the supremacy of God as your treasure and say, because of how great He is, because of how supreme He is, I have no good apart from Him? Because everything that is good that we do have is given to us because He is good. But apart from him, we have no good. David goes on in verse five to describe it in a little different way. He says to the Lord, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Listen to his passion. When the banquet table is spread out, when I see the feast before me of all that I could partake in, I choose you, God, you are my chosen cup. You are the one I want of all that has been spread before me in this life power, wealth, prestige, connection, resourcefulness, talents, and gifts of all that is spread before me. I choose you because apart from you, I have no good. You are my cup. You are my cup. The Lord is my chosen portion. God alone deserves to be our supreme treasure. God alone is the one who gives us everything that we need. But David speaks of a temptation here in verse 4. He says, The sorrows of those who seek after another God, little g, shall multiply. This is very important. This Psalm ultimately is about everlasting pleasures, resurrected pleasures, or multiplying sorrows. Now, this side of heaven, and also forever. Those who seek after, or as he says very plainly, run after other gods, another god shall multiply. You know why I needed a sabbatical? It's the same reason why I'm gonna need one in another five or six years. Because we live in a world where we're simply doing what David says. We're running after other gods and the sorrows are multiplying. When I run after other gods, And I know better, the sorrows multiply. And we live in a community with a lot of little Gs, a lot of little G gods, where money and power and wealth and prestige and new this and new that occupy our hearts and minds Those things are never evil in and of themselves until they become a God that we're chasing after. And when we chase after it, run after it, we do it because we don't believe it's gonna make us sorrowful. We believe it's gonna make us happy. And the illusion is it it actually might. It might for a while, a really long while. In fact, it might for such a long while that you never really feel your need for God to be your supreme treasure. But in the end, you could gain all. You could say to the banquet table that spread before you, I got it all except for this one cup, that's Jesus. And you end in eternity eternity, with nothing but multiplying sorrows. My friends, the pleasures that God promises are given now and forever. Watch what happens when we turn towards the the race of running after little gods. You already see it. The sorrows multiply. And when someone you love is running after a little G God, and you begin to see the sorrows multiplying in their life, it's really tempting for the sorrows to begin to multiply in your life too, isn't it? Because suddenly you can be pursuing a little God, And that is control, trying to fix the person. I described this community, not just our church, but this community, the Bible Belt Dallas, this way, that the volume and the variety and the intensity of brokenness is unlike any time I've ever seen. Fellow pastors say the same thing. This psalm tells us why. We're running after little gods. And most of them are good. But apart from God, we have no good. And suddenly, children are growing up, and no wonder they don't have an appetite for God, because they have been satisfied with something less. God's warning us. He's saying, all who seek after these little gods all who run after another God, their sorrows shall multiply. We're going to see next week what happens to David when we're back in 2 Samuel, when he runs after another God. And we'll see the grace that God gives to restore. David also speaks of God as his sovereign. This is really powerful. He says... Preserve me, O God. In you, in you, I take refuge. I have no good apart from you. You are my God. You are my supreme treasure. I want nothing more than I want you. You are my chosen cup. And then he says, back to verse five, the second part, you hold my lot. Sovereign God. Sovereign means all-powerful in complete control. You hold my lot. Verse six, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And right now, what you're tempted to do is to think about the lots of David's life. Well, I, he, he could say that. Look at the lines that were drawn. Look at his boundaries. Look at what all he possessed. Not everybody has that kind of real estate. There are people perhaps diving into this text today, who go home to a hut or to a roach-infested apartment. They're worshiping the Lord just as you are. They can say like you, he is my cup, my chosen portion. But the lines don't look that pleasant. They don't look that good because they're not. David, as he writes this psalm, is not primarily speaking of real estate. He's speaking of something that is so beautiful and so powerful. He's speaking about the lines of a covenant relationship. The lines of a a vow that has been made in a covenant where David can say, you are my God. You have promised to never abandon me. I am in you. When I think of my inheritance, it's not that I'm finally going to get my dream home. It's, pleasures forevermore, because you are my pleasure. I'm going to be with you forever. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, because even now in you, though I'm facing sorrows, I have confidence that the lines surround our relationship and those boundaries Consume me. It's very powerful. David reveals the sovereignty of God. This doesn't mean, as these pleasures are resurrected, that we won't have sorrows this side of heaven. That's why David's crying out, preserve me. But he's speaking about the presence of God to do that very thing now and forever. Lastly, David speaks of God as his most trusted counsel. Verse seven, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. God gives us counsel. He's doing so right now. His word and his spirits give us counsel that first of all is broad in terms of the history of redemption. This is who I am. This is who you are. This is what I had to do in order to redeem you. My counsel to you today is, I will bring you body and soul through life and through death. If, if, I am your safest refuge, if I am your supreme treasure, if you acknowledge me as sovereign Lord, David has done so. And he speaks in verse 9 with a heart that's described as glad, He speaks in Psalm 9 with a confidence that he didn't have before. He says, my flesh also dwells secure. And then he speaks that verse, that famous verse that Peter alluded to, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And I believe that's the essence, verse 10, of why David is saying, preserve me. David doesn't want to die but he knows he's going to, like all mankind. He doesn't want his relationship with God to end. He wants the assurance that it's going to continue forever, but he knows because he's been told that he will be laid to rest like his fathers. And David rehearses the truth of who God is. And he says, you, in you, You are my refuge. In you, I take refuge. How do we make God our safest refuge, our supreme treasure, our sovereign Lord, our most trusted counselor? It goes back to Acts 2 when the Spirit of God cuts us to the heart and He reveals who He really is, we do what Peter said to do. We repent. And if we've never professed faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, we do that. And if we've never done that, we do that and we seek to be baptized. And if we have did that a long time ago, but throughout our life, there's been seasons, and maybe you're in one right now, where you honestly can say, He's not my supreme. He's not my sovereign. He's not my most trusted counsel. I put my refuge in so many other things. You repent of that now as His counsel has been given. You heed His counsel and you trust what He says. When he says, those who put their refuge in me, their pleasures are going to be everlasting, resurrected pleasures forever. But those who continue to chase after other gods, another God, their sorrows are going to multiply. And they're going to multiply for eternity. This is what the word of God has told us from the beginning to the end. Is he your Lord? He is Lord. Is he your Lord? Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing everyone here that we might Participate in hearing your counsel. And God, I pray that you would indeed make yourself these things to us. Make us see what we have in you that will be lasting, full and everlasting joy and pleasure. Show us, Lord, the foolishness of running after anything other than you for our treasure, our refuge, or our counsel. Lord, if there are any today that don't know you, may they simply pray to you right now the prayer that you have heard so many times. Forgive me of my sins. I have sinned against you. Save me, Jesus, for you alone can. I receive you as my Lord. You are my Savior, you alone. God, do that work in our hearts even now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.